I've been involved in baseball for over 50 years, and I have seen a lot. I've played with the greatest ever. They put in the work, even the most mundane work. Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. I believe no matter who you are, you will thoroughly enjoy and benefit from today's episode. But if you are a young baseball player, a parent of one, or even a coach who's been entrusted with the young boys and men who play for you, I consider this interview a must-listen. Likely, a must-listen more than once. Joining me today in the bullpen is Drew Bailey. He is the head baseball coach at Bluefield State in Bluefield, West Virginia. Drew, thanks for joining me in the bullpen today. Mark, pleasure, uh, Pleasure is mine. I appreciate you having me, and uh, I'm excited to talk some baseball. Yes, we've uh, we've had some good conversations in the past, but it's been a little while, so I'm looking forward to it as well. So before we get into baseball in the, the more particular sense, I want to talk about you. Uh, right now, you are in your fourth season at Bluefield State as the head coach there, and you had other coaching experience before you got there, but I want to go back even further. I want you to tell our listeners about your background as a child, your background playing the game of baseball, your background coaching to bring you where you are right now. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in Christiansburg, Virginia. Um, I've always been a an avid baseball fan. My dad is, we're all huge. My son, my dad, uh, my grandpa, I believe, um, my brother, we're huge LA Dodger fans, so the the base the love for baseball is a generational generational thing in my family. Um, I think I started with a bat and ball probably at three four years old, and uh, I've I've never stopped. I I played rec league. Travel wasn't a thing growing up until I really got to high school, but even then it wasn't very big. Uh, American Legion was was big, but um, I played multiple sports. Like I said, grew up in Christiansburg, Virginia. Um, I played at Christiansburg High School. I went to Concord University, uh, pitched there for three years. I had a decent career. Uh, I got drafted by the A's in 2010, played two years in the minor leagues with the A's. I played two years in indie ball. Um, and then after that, I, I got into I got into coaching. Um, I coached a couple of seasons at Christiansburg High School. I started off at Bluefield University where I, I coached your son, Seth, for, for a season. Um, and then I, I was there for three years, took the head job at Avery University, I uh, was there for a, a year, went through a divorce, moved home, um, tough part of my life, but uh, needed a job, wanted custody of my children. My, I've got an eight, nine-year-old, um, took a head softball job at Bluefield University, needed income, and I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I, I really enjoyed the, the softball side, but baseball is you know, where my, my heart is and what I really love, so I took a pitching job right when COVID hit at Concord University, was there for the summer and the fall. And then in January, the Bluefield State job opened up. Um, so now I'm going into season four at, at Bluefield State, and 
um, that's that's kind of my my background. I did lessons, as you know, for probably about 13 years. And this past year, I stopped with my fourth kid on the way, and um, it's just my son. I'm coaching my son's travel team in the summer. It just became too much, um, you know. So I, I miss parts of that, but I've been involved in baseball for for a long time. I'm in year 10 at, in higher ed at the college level, um, you know. So it's I've been coaching around the game for for a long time. Yeah, something that's I think a lot of people don't understand is the kind of path that most people take to be a head coach at the college level, like your path. There are a lot of different stops, typically. It's not like all of a sudden, oh yeah, I'm the head coach at this college or that college. There are a lot of stops. There are things like having to give lessons. And, and when I say having, I don't mean it's a it's uh, something you didn't, didn't desire to do, but just all of the different things that you have to do, both to make ends meet, but also to continue to work to where you can get to be a head coach at the college level. Yeah, I mean, it's I could dive I we could go down a rabbit hole with that, but it's 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 tough because it's one of those professions that there's so many people the demand is so high. Um, you know, or I guess you you know, supply and demand. There's just so many people that want to coach at the college level, so the wages aren't outside of maybe power five and some mid-majors, couple of division twos, NAIs, junior college, there's some good setups, D3, whatever. But the majority of these college coaching positions are, I mean, the, the, the pay is just, these schools are so frugal with the pay. And um, that's just something I tell guys, we've got a volunteer right now, uh, Scott Emerson. Uh, pitches. He's the big league pitching coach for the A's. His nephew is going to be our pitching coach this year. He's 24 and I'm going to help lead him and help mentor him and, um, you know, it's just one of those things that if you don't go work for a year for either free or very minimal money, it's really hard to crack into this profession. Um, and then you could be a, you were talking about a head job. I was very fortunate at 28 years old to get a head job. Um, I'm 34 now, which is still young to be a head coach, but, uh, you know, there's guys stay in this game for 15, 20 years and never get a head coaching job. I think there's, I don't know, 1500 head coaching opportunities in the country at the college level, or maybe a little bit more, but. Um, yeah, you're right. The route is never, you know, I tell, I tell my guys all the time, like God's not going to give you a smooth route. It's <laughs> not very often are you getting a direct path to, to something that you want or you, you desire. It's going to be a little curvy, some bumps in the road, uh, some major roadblocks. So, but yeah, definitely not an easy path. Well, that actually leads into the next question because I think just as people sometimes do not understand what it takes to be a college baseball coach, I think they don't understand what it takes to be a college baseball player. You know, the last time I checked, it was something like only 7% of all high school baseball players get a chance to play collegiately. That's not at Virginia Tech or UT or UVA to, to talk about people in our area. That's any level of college baseball. So I want to ask right. you, as a college coach, let's say I'm a junior in high school and you come to watch my high school baseball team play. You may be there to watch me in particular or maybe somebody else that's in that game. But whatever the case may be, as a college baseball coach, you come to watch a high school baseball player, what are you looking for that would pique your interest? What are you looking for that would make you think as you walk away, you know what, this Mark Dewey guy, he's a guy I'm going to keep an eye on, and he's a guy that that might be a good fit at Bluefield State. Well, I think I, I think I want to clarify one thing that I hear a lot, and you see on Twitter, and they're talking about all the intangibles, and but I think some people overlook some of the things they talk about. But I think first off, it's like 
there has to be a, a, a baseline. Like there has to be a foundation. There's, we're looking for bat speed. We're looking for movement on, on a pitch. We're looking for arm speed. We're looking for athleticism, excuse me. Um, so I think when people see these guys posting or, or girls, these coaches on Twitter, like, hey, I'm watching how you run off and on, on and off the field. I'm watching how you handle adversity. Um, obviously, all of that is very important. But when they're referring to that stuff, usually they're referring to a kid that has ability. You know, there's a ton of kids out there that run on and off the field and do things the right way, but they're just not very gifted. You know, um, one of my good buddies used to always say, he'd tell people this at camps and people would, their, their necks would snap. They're like, academics isn't the most important thing to me. Your ability is and your character, like, but you have to be able to play. Like, I can go find 4.0 students that, you know, can't play a lick. We can fill a team up, but we're not going to win. Like, there has to be talent there. There has to be projectability, ability. Uh, now, obviously, the academics, the intangibles, all of that matters, but you have to be able to play. You know, we're trying to win. Um, but at the same time, once you find that kid, obviously most of the kids we're recruiting, hopefully all of them have ability and can play, but that's when the intangibles kick in, you know, do I have to beg you to run on and off the field? You know, if I have to do that, I've probably, I'm not real. I'm not communicating very well on my part, or maybe I've just recruited the wrong kid. Um, but you know, I'm looking for a kid that can handle adversity. Like this game is a lot like it mirrors life. You know, I always tell guys it's like a boxing match. Like, you're going to get, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten rounds, however long you go. We're going to get punched in the mouth. Like, how are we going to respond? Um, now, I think there needs to be a balance there. I don't want a kid that never shows emotion. Like, I want a kid – I think the two biggest things – I tell the guys all the time when they leave here and when I'm recruiting, I'm looking for passionate kids. Obviously, talent, so we can we don't have to talk about that. But I'm, I'm looking for passionate kids because you got to have a burning desire in your heart you know, and a love for the game to want to do this, the study hall, the, the weightlifting, all that. So we're looking for kids that play with passion. Um, and we're looking for kids that are good kids, you know, kids that I can trust around my daughter or my son that, you know, my son's to the age now he's riding with us on the bus sometimes. So I'm asking, I told my associate head coach, like, we will not sign a kid if we do not reference, get a reference check on these kids because our recruiting budget's just not there. We can't get out. It's not like Brian O'Connor at UVA. You know, a lot of those guys, he's one of the best coaches in the country. He has the ability. They have the budget. They can go watch kids that are committed. They're getting to know the kids that, that are already coming to school there. If we're out on the road, we're looking for kids to sign and, and, and ver- you know, make that verbal or sign a letter of intent, whatever it is. So I don't have the, the luxury of getting to see a kid play every single game or multiple times throughout the year. Um, we're l- relying on video. We're relying on our eyes. We're relying on um, references, guys that we trust. You know, people always wonder, hey, why do they recruit out of that organization so much? Because there's probably people in that organization that we trust, that we know we're going to – they're not just going to tell us, hey, sign this kid. He can play. Mm-hmm. Well, then we get him and he's a turd. You know, I call them turds. Like, you know, and it's like I want guys that I can trust. So when we're watching kids play, it's like do you have a passion about you? Do you respect the game? And just do you play hard? So, I mean, just I think overall when you show up to watch a kid play, I think you're watching the mannerisms, um, the small details. You know, does he pick guys up? Is he the guy on the bench that's 0 for 4? And, you know, everybody beats a dead horse. But it's important. Like, I don't care what type of game you're having as an individual. Like, are you still supportive of your teammates? Because at the end of the day, this is a, a, a team this is a team setting. This is a team sport. And I know it's made up of a bunch of individual accomplishments or individual plays or whatever it is, but 
do you pick up the guys around you? Are you a good teammate? Because everything's not always going to go well for you. There's a reason guys hit 280 or have a four ERA. Like, you're going to strike out. You're going to give up runs. Like, I just think that's so important. And we're also in a time now where Instagram, Twitter, like everybody wants a video of them stomping the plate when they score. And um, I tell the guys, like, I don't mind emotion, but pick your spots. Like, we shouldn't be stomping the plate on a on a home run in the third inning. It's like, you know, this is a nine-inning game. Like, this is a long game. We're not riding that roller coaster. So, like, I'm watching, you know, do you act like you've done this before? Now, I'm mindful that these are 16-, 17-, 18-year-old kids, and I was the same way, and I made a lot of mistakes. So, I think we can't be too hard on young kids, but sometimes it's excessive, and sometimes you can get a, a, a hint of, okay, this, this kid might not fit in my program. Like, there's a lot of – selfish mannerisms going on but at the same time though you have to give kids the benefit of doubt like what type of structure do they come from what type of home life do they come from like I think there's so many variables but just I think the passion is a big thing and do they play the game hard like do they play do they play like they're on fire okay so now let's take it the next step so I am a guy a high school player I've got some athletic ability I move well I can throw well or hit well whatever the case may be I've shown that I'm not a selfish individual. I've shown that I have passion, but I can control the passion so that it doesn't get out of control. So you, you, you see me and you think, okay, there's a guy. There's a guy that's got the possibility of playing collegiately, whether it's for you or not. Now, what in particular would you tell me to do to develop how well I play the game? And you could talk about pitchers, you could talk about hitters, catchers, all of them, whatever you want. But now we're going to talk about the specifics of taking my athletic ability, even my my baseball talent, and developing the particular skills that I'll need to play collegiately. Well, I think the first two things um, are the weight room and, and reps. Uh, I think if you look at Latin America, if you look at the players in the big leagues that come from Venezuela, Dominican, Puerto Rico, um, if you look at those countries, you look at the amount of reps those guys get, they, they get an excessive amount of reps, uh, and they get to our, our country in the pro game or the college game or the big leagues, whatever it is. And they're, they're really good players, but I think the repetition matters. I think the amount of reps matters. Like our associate head coach always tells our, our hitters, like good hitters hit and they hit a lot. Uh, obviously the pitching side is a little bit different. Um, you know, but good hitters hit. They hit a lot. So I think the weight room and the mobility, the strength and the mobility are two of the biggest things. I can't tell you how many kids I've seen over the years that want pitching lessons or do pitching lessons that would far more benefit from paying somebody to teach them how to live correctly, how to eat correctly, you know, mobility. You know, hey, we should be doing some yoga, some, some just trying to get more mobile. There's, I mean, I, the, the best guys in the big leagues move well. Like the middle of their body works. They, they hold the ground extremely well. They rotate around their spine and their trunk extremely well. Like, you know, stuff you've taught me for years. And uh, when I was younger, like they, they do those things because they're, they're strong. Their power output, they, they, they generate a lot of force and they're strong and mobile. So I think the first thing is the weight room. But I think the second thing is just the amount of reps and being intentional about what they're working on. So I think there's, there's tiers to it. There's levels to it. Okay, working hard is one thing. You can go hit in the cage for two hours, but did you get better? Or are you more benefit? Are you going to benefit from hitting for 30 minutes? But okay, I'm working on getting in my back hit more. I'm working on creating a better stretch or uh, my path or whatever. Like 
are you intentional about what you're working on? Because there's, I applaud the kids that work hard, but the guys that are really good in this game, they have a plan when they work. They're not just swinging for two hours to swing. They're not just, you know, um, throwing to throw. Now, there are times for those things, uh, just like I'm a big believer, when you get in a game, it's time to compete. Your movements are what they are at that point. But, um, and that's a big tip I would say is try stay away from mechanics when you're in the game. Like what you have is what you have. It's like showing up to a knife fight and wishing you had a better knife. Like you don't, <laughs> you know, like you, you, you know, it's just, it's kind of how it is. Like, uh, you got to go with what you got at that point. So, um, but practice, that's when we, we work that craft on your own. You know, we tell our guys all the time, you don't need a cage. You don't need a mount. Get in front of a mirror. All these kids have iPhones. Use the tools around you. Um, you know, film it, feel it, like film yourself, see it, visualize. Like there's a lot of ways to get better. So I would say the weight room and the amount of reps, but just making sure we're intentional. We're in a time right now where these kids can just go down a rabbit hole. You've got top velocity, you've got drive line, you've got tread and, there's value to everyone brings some type of value, but at the same time, you have to be mindful that they're in the money making business. Yes. So they want to make money. They have to make money. The overhead is so high or whatever it is. I don't know their, their ins and outs. I can't speak to that, but you know, I personally try and take a little bit from everybody and make it my own. So these kids are in information overload. Mm. You know, when I played, I didn't really have access to information. These kids have access to too much information. So now that's where I think good coaching will always stand because someone has to be able to drive the bus for them and mod- and keep them in between the guardrails. You know, like they have to be able to say, hey, let's apply this. Let's apply this. Good coaching will always be in high demand because these kids need to know what to apply and what not to. So, uh, um, you know, surround yourself with a good coach and, and, a, and a strength coach. And, and I think that's if you can afford that, if not, ask people. Try and find something online that, that you know is reputable and, and that you can trust. Now I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball at you here. And since we were both pitchers, I guess I'll probably get you out. <laughs> no. Um, so you say that <laughs> to funny. me. You, you, watched, you watched me uh, play my game, and you came up to me afterwards, and you said, hey, you know what? You got a chance to play collegiately, maybe even at Bluefield State. And you gave me the advice you just gave to the people listening. And what if I said to you, and I want your response to me. I don't want you to, to tell me what you would think about me as you walk away, but your response to me, I said, yeah, but coach, you know, the weight room and all those reps, it's kind of boring. Well, uh, sitting on the bench is boring. <laughs> like, you know, like, I mean, you know, sitting on the bench is boring. Uh, it's funny you say that because that's exactly, I mean, I, you know, not being good is boring, you know, but I told the guys yesterday, the best guys in the world do the boring stuff and they do it really well. Uh, and people might not see it, you know, ever since I met you and I was with the A's, I'm so big on our guys with their lift leg and their hands synced up. You watch the best guys in the world when the hands are moving, the lift legs moving They're It's like dancing. They're in unison. They're, they're moving like freely. They're athletic. We drill that in their heads and show them so many videos. And, you know, I'm like, Hey, we're going to master these small things first these boring things, like, do your hands get out on time? Do you stay closed? Are you in the ground? Well, like all that stuff and the drills and the med balls and all that stuff. Yeah. It's not fun. It might, well, the summit may be, but when you throw a seven inning complete game or, you know, you go out and throw six and strike out 10 and one walk and you threw 80 pitches, like, is it worth it then? 
you know, so the boring stuff is what makes you really good. The attention to detail, the small stuff that nobody wants to, to focus on, that's, you know. And I can honestly sit here and tell you until my junior year of college, um, I don't really know that I lifted hard. And I I still wish I could have been more organized with the way I attacked my, my work ethic um, or my work. But that junior year, after a tough sophomore year, I was running sprints on the football field at night, like, did I go out and go to a couple parties? Yeah, sure. I was a college kid, but um, I really limited that stuff more. And I started really working extra band work, extra core work, the stuff that I knew at the time at 21 was going to help me or 20 years old. Um, I knew I had to get my body in better shape. And I started, you know, nobody was watching me. I'm running at night. Like I'm, I'm doing the small things and it paid off. The tough part with this game. And I think life mark is that you can do those things and it's still not pay off maybe not pay off in the form of baseball, but it's going to pay off somewhere down the lot down the line. Because I heard a guy yesterday, like these are all going to be adults at some point, Yes, you know, and they need to learn good principles to raise a family and work in the professional world. They need to be prepared for that. But I think the scary part, and I talk about it a lot is, uh, is regret. It's a tattoo. You get stamped on your neck. You can't get off because you can just see it in people's body language and the way they talk about their career or the way they treat their son or, um, which, by the way, is extremely hard to coach your own son. Uh, <laughs> not easy. But, I, you know, it's like, hey, go out and do the boring things or live with a lot of regret. You know, what do you want to do? I my I have a fairly good size audience, but I wish a thousand times the people that listen to it would hear that response. Because I think that how you answer that question, obviously I'm excited because I agree with it. But I think there are so many, not only baseball players, but parents and even baseball coaches at the amateur level that need to hear that answer. That's just a phenomenal answer. I think it's one that's really irrefutable, not just looking at the game of baseball, but all of life. Mm -hmm. All right. And here's the thing. It's tough. You, You played in the big leagues. Like You had a really good work ethic. You were also very talented. You know, I would imagine you had talent from the time you were seven, eight years old. Like the talent, like you had ability, but you also had a really good work ethic. And when you match those things together, that makes for, you know, a major leaguer or a really good college career, a Hall of Fame career in, in college, whatever it is. Um, I tell our guys all the time, you have an opportunity to have, this is your big leagues, you know, but don't walk out that door with regret. But anyways, um, you know, that's a great question. All right. No matter where we're at, whether we go back to the beginning of baseball in America in the 19th century, or we go back to when I was playing, which was a bit further back than when you were playing, or if we look at the game today, no matter where we are, the game is always moving in a direction. And no matter where we are, 150 years ago or five minutes ago, the direction's going to include both good things and bad things. So my first, it's a two-part question. The first part of the question is this. What aspect or aspects of the game and the direction that it's going now cause you some concern? You know, I think travel baseball gets a bad name sometimes, um, but I think you have to look at it uh, in two different lenses. Um, Yes, there are organizations out there that are just, you know, making a ton of money. I get that, but they're also providing a platform. There's a lot of kids that have signed at the college level um, that are given an opportunity because of those organizations. Um, But I I don't know why we're so judgmental of travel baseball at times, because there's a lot of high school programs that don't do anything for kids. 
And it's like, we just forget that. Um, I think everything in life is situational. Uh, but one thing that, that I, I think this is not on, there's a lot of really good high school coaches, a lot of really good travel coaches, but some things that I see from kids that is a little concerning to me. And I've gone that route at times, like, you know, the launch angle, the exit velocity, um, the spin rate, all that stuff is part of the game now, but it's like a toolbox. They're just tools in the toolbox. You still need heart. You still need instincts. And that's one thing I think we're lacking a little bit. We're getting kids to the college level that don't know how to bunt. We're getting kids that don't know how to get a read on a dirt ball that don't know how to take a proper lead at second base with two outs. Um, you know, we're getting kids that, so there's a lot of really good people teaching the game. So that's why I think it's all situational. You would just like to see the game continue to move towards like teaching the game of baseball, because at the end of the day, we're playing a game and we're playing a game to win it. Mm -hmm. And I fall in love with the gadgets. I love all the gadgets. I love that stuff, but they need to know how to bunt. They need to know how to hit and run, run and hit. They need to know how to fake bunt steal, how to read a third baseman when they get in the box. Like we're playing a game. This is still a game, and we know how to play, need to know how to play it because here's what I think happens. In the past, we've had a ton of small, undersized kids that play the game, and we still have them, maybe less of them. You get a lot of kids that not necessarily undersized. Maybe they don't have plus tools. They handle the bat well. They have good instincts. They know where they're going with the baseball at all times. Sometimes it seems like we've pushed some of those kids out because mm. um, it's like, okay, I want a kid to hit the ball 100 miles an hour. And I've, I've fell into that at times. I'm, I'm guilty of that myself, but I don't, if the kid hits 280, but he plays really good defense and he's all good on the bases and he provides value, like they don't have to hit 15 home runs. They don't have to. So I think the game just, I think we can do a better job as a whole, myself included, um, continuing just to teach the game within the game, inside of the game. Like situational baseball has become, it's almost became a thing of the past. You know, we lost the game this year because, and again, I'll take accountability. We didn't tag up, and it wasn't just that one play, but we didn't tag up on a play uh, on a deep fly ball to the outfield. Now, it was a tough read. So that one play didn't lose the game, but just the small, mundane stuff that matters, I think, still has to be taught. And my buddy um, that I play college summer league with, we're coaching my son, our sons. He's got twin boys. My son, Paxton's nine. We're coaching their 10U team, and we have just made it. We're trying to make an effort that we teach them how to play this game because not everyone's going to hit the ball of the park. Not everyone's going to have a 3,000 RPM slider, but they can understand how to mix holds and looks and have a good pickoff move and pitch inside no matter how hard they throw. And, you know, we can still teach them to play the game. Absolutely. And it kind of fits back into, quote unquote, during, doing the boring stuff. That's not the flashy stuff. That's not the stuff that everybody sees. Oh, look at how far he hit that ball or how hard he threw that ball or the snap on that breaking ball. But it's what wins and loses ball games. Last question. Last question. Of course, I say that, but you might say something that will prompt another one. But my intention is this is the last question. So now the flip side of that. The game is going in a direction today. What is it about the game today that excites you? What are some of the things, especially over the last few years of your coaching career, that you've seen happening in baseball at any level that you say, this is good. This is good for the game. I think there's a lot of good information out there. Like I said, I think it's a double-edged sword at times, but there's a lot of people providing good information to kids that 15, 
10, 20 years ago, whatever it is, didn't have access to that would have probably been a really good player if it was for one small adjustment. I got to listen to Dan Heefner speak, Dallas Baptist head coach. We flew to Toronto. I didn't, obviously, I didn't fly with him, but we spoke um, at the best ever at the uh, coaches clinic in Toronto. And I got to hear him talk about how he started creating a stretch in his swing at a time when everything was about like hands, hands, hands. And he started really trying to move his hands back and load. And, you know, he took off. I'm pretty sure it was Dan. Um, and he had a lot of good things to say, but it's like now he's one of the best hitting guys in the country running a mid-major program. that's one of the best programs in all of college baseball. So having access to information, I love. Um, I also love where the game is at as far as the college the college game is, is, has been really good. I, I think it's – you could talk about the NIL, all that stuff. That's a different conversation with these guys making millions of dollars. But college baseball is exciting. Um, I don't love that they cut the draft down, but it has put a better product – I think it's putting a better product on the college baseball field at all levels. Lucas Jones just won a, a national championship at the University of Lynchburg, Division Three. And then after the season, two of those guys are signing, I think, at Old Dominion, University of Char- College of Charleston, Division One. Like, you've got you've got good caliber of talent at every level of college baseball. I love what the World Baseball Classic is doing. Um, there's a lot of positives. But you can get online and you can see people that are just, um, you know, just completely degrading kids and talking nothing but nonsense about the game. And, you know, that's, that's not going to help. It's not helping anything like – these kids love baseball because their dad introduced it to them or their uncle or their best friend. Like, you know, somebody introduced this game to them and they love it. And, and long-term it's just like this, this game has done. I mean, I met you through this game. This game is just a, a platform for relationships and, and life lessons and, um, you know, friendships and, and guys are in your wedding. Like it's just, you meet your spouse. I've, I've just, this game has given me so much. So it's hard just to sit here and be negative about something that's impacted my life in such a good way. So I love the relationships the game continues to create. Um, I love all the information out there. I love that my son loves it probably more than I do, or I don't know if that's possible, but he loves it. You know, he's a baseball guru. Like he knows more big leaguers than I do. I'll ask my son, Hey, where's this guy playing now? And he'll tell me, Um, you know, so I, I just love all the relationships and the way the game brings people together. And I just, it's such a unique game, and I don't know. I just I, I love it. I don't know if I could ever do anything else. Drew, this has been, for me, an extremely enjoyable interview. I appreciate you taking the time, joining me in the bullpen, and uh, I wish you the best at Bluefield State, and uh, and I will make an effort to get up there next spring and see you guys play. I'd love to, I'd, I'd love to see you up there. And one thing I want to add in, Mark, is all the questions that the listeners probably don't know about that you've answered for me, the times you used to come down to my old facility, um, the stuff, the material you've taught me, um, your attempts to help further my, my career in the pro game at times. You know, you've tried to provide me with opportunities. I've had interviewed because of you. Like, um, you've done a lot for me, and it doesn't go overlooked. I know we don't speak as much now, but uh, life hits you. You know, four kids, I've got, you know, life takes you in a lot of different directions, but you've been a, a great mentor to me in this game, and I think my job is, um, for my players and my staff is, you know, to help my staff grow and move on to better, better positions and, and help my guys be ready for real life and, and teach them everything that you've taught me or my buddy Kirk has taught me and all the mentors my college coaches have taught me. Um, I think it's just about giving back and serving, you know, serving other people. And I, 
I think and you've taught me this. I've, I've read your scripture you post, and I try and relay this to my guys. You're going to get more joy in this life serving other people than you ever will serve in yourself. Mm. You know, and I think that's that's what it's about. And baseball has just provided that platform for us. So um, I love that. Thank you so much for what you're doing and, and continue to grow the game. Yeah, thank you, Drew. You have just been blessed with 30 minutes of tremendous insight and sound advice. And it should be obvious to you that Drew Bailey loves the game of baseball and those who are involved in it. And he derives great joy in serving both. Young players, if you have an opportunity to play for a coach like Drew at any level in this game, you should jump at it. And you should be grateful for such a blessing. Parents of young players, do the things Drew spoke about resonate with you? Does it excite you to consider your son playing for a coach like him in little league, travel ball, high school, or college? If not, if you don't think that what he spoke about matters that much, I can guarantee this. When it's all said and done, there will be plenty of regrets. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thank you for listening.